Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom DeAngelis, Tom Fertile, and Rob Longo. Welcome one and all. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 46 through 53. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, to nourish our soul, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in so we see how we're to hear what we're to hear and see what we're to see? Absolutely. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. You are the God of now. Please help us to be present to you right now. Help us to put away distractions. Help us to uh, just to, to be in the moment, to be in the moment, to allow you to love us in the moment, to allow you to fill our hearts with joy and peace and hope in the moment. As we break open the gospel that we will hear this Sunday, please, Lord, uh, just send the, the Holy Spirit so that we can understand. Send the Holy Spirit to, to fill us with wisdom. Send the Holy Spirit to fill us with courage. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space right now. We invite you into the homes and cars and offices of all those listening. Please, Lord, draw us closer to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The, the Father, Father Son, the Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, the angels, do you mind uh, giving us a little gospel love? I'd be happy to. Again, it's uh, from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 46 to 53. Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, raised his hands, and blessed them. As he blessed them, he parted from them and was taken up to heaven. They did him homage and then returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The lost art of repentance came to mind. Um, that word just jumps out. I, I think more and more, if you think about the culture we live in, you know, we, we don't repent. People don't repent because repentance, of course, is based on the, or, you know, predicated on the idea that I, I've done wrong. I have to acknowledge that, that I've done wrong if I'm going to repent. And um, I think we're very much in a culture that rejects the idea of I've done wrong. Um, I think about some of the language that you hear when people say they're sorry. You know, again, it used to be I'm sorry. In other words, I am sorry. I acknowledge I've done wrong. Now, now it's you know, um, I'm sorry if you feel. I'm sorry <laughs> if you you know. So it, it's not even sorry a that you're heartfelt. So sensitive. <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry you were offended. It, we, we're not. We, we're not sorry. We, we don't repent. And I think that's part of the relativistic uh, culture that we're 
that we're uh, in right now and treading through is this idea of I can only repent if I acknowledge wrongdoing. And it's not fashionable. It's not vogue. It's not in style to to acknowledge wrongdoing. Um, all I can, at most, I can acknowledge that you might be unhappy with what I did, but that's a far cry from acknowledging um, forgiveness to one another, much less um, uh, going to Christ with repentance, acknowledging that I've done morally wrong. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a, um, definitely a, a dynamic that's in the world today that we, that we need to grapple with. And many people are lost in that idea that I, I can do no wrong. There's no need for repentance. And if there's no need for repentance, then there's no need for a savior. Then God help us. God help us. Amen. And you know, as a recipient of people coming and repenting and apologizing to me for hurting me or whatever they did, I do wrong when I say, oh, no, 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 that's no problem. That's no problem. It's okay. Mm. No, it's not okay. Or it didn't hurt. Yes, it did. You know, I didn't realize that I was actually rejecting their repentance by saying it was no problem. Of course it was a problem. You, you, you gossiped about me or you wounded me, you know, or that didn't hurt. Well, yes, it did hurt your heart. And we're so actually, we're not communicating truth. What we need to do is receive their apology, acknowledge the reception, and then forgive them. You know what, Jim? I forgive you. I love you, brother. You know, or stop and say a prayer with them. But I know for me, I got caught up in a habit of, oh, that's no, 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 Rob, that's okay. It's no problem. No, it's not. It is a problem, and it did hurt, and it did hurt. So, man, I'm telling you, as we deep in, deeply go into this, this word of repentance, because repentance is for the forgiveness of sins, because so many people think, oh, no, I'm good to go. Jesus paid the price. Well, he did for all humanity. But without repentance, without contrition of the heart, without a true understanding of the heart, how we wounded the heart of the Father— the word of our, the the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, how we almost mocked it by our choice to sin. If we don't have that true repentance that says, "I don't want to commit this sin again," Father, please forgive me, and then ask God for that grace to not commit the sin again. Then, then, then it's just a, it's it's a, a worthless exercise because we're good to go, right? We could do anything we want to do. Jesus paid the price; He took on all the punishment. Well, yes, you're correct. <laughs> But without a repentant heart, it's not for you. You've got to make the choice. You've got to be proactive in the gift, proactive, realizing in your heart you've wounded the Lord. And if it's truly a gift, gifts are, are given, not taken. All right, They have to be received and opened in order to, to fully appreciate the gift. So if mercy is a gift, it's, it's there. It's there. Uh, for us to open that gift, to accept it. And that's what Jesus thirsts for when he says, I thirst from the cross. He's thirsting to forgive us, right, for our mercy. And, uh, you know, so he, he led the way by forgiving all those, who, all those who did what they did to him, you know, physically, emotionally, abandoning him. You know, he, he forgave all of them. Uh, Father, I forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Um, so he led the way. Uh, but Tom, you bring up a, a challenge because I think it really calls for accountability to to be in relationship with people that um, you know that can give us a heads up maybe when we're not on the right track uh, because to acknowledge that we're wrong sometimes it takes you know a spiritual director, someone other even before we're 
going to confession to uh, to help us. You know, sometimes I wish I had Padre Pio here that can read souls. You know, where you know, can give us the uh, give us the things that we're that we're, we're missing. Well, I think too, Rob, you you bring up a good point because um, the the thing that I think we're confronting nowadays is this fruit of moral relativism. You know, and Tom, you you kind of touched on it too. Is if if there's if your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, then if you do something that I consider to be morally wrong, but you don't think it's morally wrong, where's you know where's the forgiveness? Where's the repentance? That that's that's the fruit of people letting go of God's law, letting go of any objective reality because everything, be- the truth becomes subjective, purely subjective, and that's that's moral relativism. So it's hard to have any kind of apology in that case. You can apologize to a person for making them feel bad, for offending them, but that's because that's their truth, but it's not really my truth. So I've, I offended you, but if you did the same thing to me, it wouldn't offend me because I don't really care. And then, and again, David, that's kind of the thing you touched on because when when a person doesn't acknowledge that that they've been hurt, they also don't acknowledge that there's been an apology offered, right. and then they're not freed because there's always the possibility of resentment, you know. And it, and we have to, and that event helps release the resentment or re- release the you know the the anger the frustration that we have. And that I think is is an important thing, and I, you know, relative to that, I was just thinking of a story I heard um, about uh, Juan Diego, you know, the uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and the uh, bishop or archbishop uh, said, "Okay, if this is real, you know, I want you to go back to Our Lady and ask her to ask Jesus what was the last mortal sin that I confessed." And so he did, and he went back, and he came back the next day. And he said, well, I said, I, he had an answer. And the, and the bishop said, what, what is it? And he said, he said he doesn't remember, which I thought was incredibly profound. You know, only God would, would think of that. Like us, we would say, well, it was this, you know. But the answer that came back from Our Lady, from her son was, I don't remember. So, but to be able to release that, you know, because he's infinitely offended by things that we do wrong, to be able to release that for God to release us from that, I think that He acknowledges that we've hurt Him, but He puts it puts it behind Him after that. The other part that really jumped out with and for me is, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. You see, Jesus said, and He's speaking to us now. Before you leave your home in the morning, you need to make sure you're filled, suited up armed up with the armor of God and filled up with the Holy Spirit, because when you leave your home, you are going out into the battleground, in the workplace, in the community, in the church, everywhere you go, you must be an exemplary example of Christ's compassion and mercy in the world without walking away from his truth. We must stand and hold on his truth, but deliver that truth in love. And love can be tough love. So for me, I can't do that without the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the apostles couldn't go out and change the world and give their lives for Christ physically, 11 of the 12 of them, without the gift of the Holy Spirit. So no matter what we go through throughout our day, 
God's saying, I'm going to give you a power from on high, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to walk out your journey. He's going to lead you to all truth. Went through a situation earlier this week, and it was it was wrenching. It was terrible. I mean, I was like I was sitting with 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 uh, with somebody that was totally on Satan's side on the other side. At the end of the meeting, I said to the Lord, you know, when I go back up to my bedroom, I said, what was I supposed to learn from that? He said, I wanted to learn you to learn wisdom so that you knew how to prepare for the next time you engage and you encounter. So through everything we go through, we're called to learn and to grow and to learn how to use the sword of truth to pierce the hearts of, of the listener, but also make sure we got all the armor <laughs> from the helmet to the shield to the, to the breastplate on, because the only place we're not covered once we do that is if we turn our back on God. There's no armor on our backs. Now, you know, David, I can't resist since you mentioned the armor of God. <laughs> we do encourage our listeners, uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, this September uh, 18th and 19th here at our, our home, our hometown of Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, uh, Stewardship Mission Faith is having our second annual uh, conference, which the theme is put on the armor of God. And all the things we're talking about today, the, the spiritual battles, uh, it's so true. And so we encourage all of our listeners there to check out our website, stewardshipmission.org. You'll see the full details on on the conference, but just come and be blessed. Come and learn to, to plumb the depths of, of how to how to suit up for the battles that are raging today around us, uh, the spiritual battles, how to be equipped, how to how to navigate, how to survive, how to combat if necessary, how to protect our families from the spiritual attacks, and, and come and be blessed. We encourage you to come and be blessed by our fall conference this September 18th and 19th at the beautiful Stone Gables Estates in Elizabethtown, and we'll see you there. Back to you, David. <laughs> yes, the Stone Gables Estate with us. Starborn Village. Absolutely. And if you want to learn about spiritual warfare, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving a talk at that uh, about spiritual warfare and Amen. how we suit up to go out and deliver messages of love fully filled with the Holy Spirit, not our agenda, not our opinions, but how we stand on truth and allow the Lord to do the battle. And it, the folks that, that were, were with us last year just said uh, how encouraged they were. And don't we all need a little encouragement? Mm -hmm. Just just being together with with uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ on, on a beautiful property, hearing God's experiencing God's beauty on the property, hearing His His beauty and His goodness and His truth through the speakers, experiencing that goodness and beauty and truth in each other. I mean, it's just uh, you know it was such a blessing, as Tom you said uh, last year. So I'm just really looking forward to to that again, just to just to to break away. And to allow the Lord to fill each and every one of us, right? We need to fill up in the house when we're by ourselves, but sometimes when we're together, that that filling is just—it's magnified, right? We get filled to overflowing. So, uh, look forward to, to seeing you all there. And David, when you were talking about being filled before we leave the house, I I added something to that also before the others that we live with wake up. <laughs> you know, yeah. so if we could. Because I find that sometimes if I'm getting, the warfare is yeah, at home yeah, before you even walk out the door. Sometimes yeah. if I if I find that if I get up at the same time that other people are up, and I don't have that head start with the Lord, the interactions don't go so well. But if I'm up early and just have a chance just to just to be with Him just for a little bit to fill me up and uh, and pray for the people that you know that are that are in the house, then when they when we meet, it's uh, it, it's a little different. 
So I just throw that that encouragement out. When you think about, you know, Rob, what you just said there, I think about some of the writings and talks of uh, of Devin Schott, you know, one of our family of ministries with uh, Father of St. Joseph, and, uh, you know, thinking about how we are the first um, image our children get of God the Father and how we're to love our spouse as Christ loved the church. And so when you say to get ready, to think about it that way, that, you know, from, from the very, as soon as they open their eyes, what message are we conveying to them? How are we displaying the love of God to our family? Um, of course, we're all men sitting here to our spouses or vice versa, but you know, all the more reason to be, to be aware of, of that interaction, to be prepared uh, to, to model that love. That's the number one calling. Again, sitting here as, as men, but our number one calling is to model the love of God to our children and model the love of Christ to our spouses. And if we're not spending that time in the morning suiting up like that for the day, you know, there's going to be lots of holes in the armor. No doubt about it. And I love the last sentence also. They did an homage and then returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. You know, can we walk out, wake up, walk out into the world and praise God? for the song of the birds, for the beauty of the flowers, for the beauty of the sky, for the gift of the rain that day. Can we put on those glasses to realize the gifts that God pours out in abundance to us every day, the friends we have, the ability to eat and drink? Can we praise God throughout our day in all things? Because if we do, we will find instead of this negativity controlling us, we will have the abundant life that Jesus Christ wants for each and every one of us. It's that heart of gratitude, that praising God in all situations, learning and growing and being the world changers he created us to be. We want to see a change in the world, every one of us. It begins with me and you. It begins with us. Let's be the positive influence in the people we meet, in the workplace, in the community, in the church, and let God, let his light shine through us. It's not us that do it, but it's the Christ that lives in us, with us, and through us in all situations. And I, and I think, David, that's um, one of the things that, that we often don't realize is that you know, when we do God's will, when we're open to doing God's will, there is a joy that comes from that, but there's also a recognition that God's will sometimes isn't our will. You know, sometimes it's not what we like. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes, I mean, and each one of those things we can accept with joy. I mean, you read the, you read the letters of St. Paul, you know, he, he got stoned, drug out of the city, you know, and he got up and went back into the city and praised God. You know, because because he recognized maybe he doesn't know at the immediate time what the what God's purpose was in doing that, but somewhere down the road it's going to make sense. And somewhere down the road, maybe when he's sitting there reflecting on his life before he's executed in Rome, the sense of it starts to come to him. And it's that presence of Jesus that you talk about that really allows us to approach those things with a heart of gratitude and a heart of joy, where we can look at a difficulty and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for, for trusting me with this, with this difficulty, with this, with this pain, with this suffering. And certainly some of the things that, that you're going through and we've all probably gone through at some point in our lives. But to be able to say, 
as Mother Teresa did, as she recognized toward the end of her life, and such a great insight was that when, when we have to deal with those difficulties, we should rejoice because that's Jesus sharing the most intimate details of his life, which is basically his suffering and death on the cross, which is when that's the, you know, that's the pinnacle of his work on earth before his resurrection. You know, it's that's that's the marriage bed of the lamb, as as uh, as Scott Hahn calls it. So when we're able to look at that and and see Jesus, you know, offering Himself up for us, and be able to recognize that our pain and our suffering in our life, our persecution, our difficulties, are basically a gift from God that unites us with Christ. All of a sudden, you can look at that and say, and, and it doesn't make sense to other people. You can look at that and say, there's a joy. There's a recognition that God has invited me into a very special place, the place of difficulty, and I can respond with joy. It doesn't make sense to the world, and some days it doesn't make sense to me, but, but that's what we've been gifted. And you know, when, when you bring that up, it's what first makes me think of that. And where we plant the seeds of that is when we're able to go out into nature or go out into a situation with our brothers and sisters and, and recognize the beauty that we've been given to be able to appreciate and, that, and the sense of the, of the God that lies behind all that and then invite him into our lives. Then the difficulties become an opportunity like you, like you talked yeah, about. Yeah, and I'm going to give you a perfect example because you used some language that I want to make sure the readers or the listeners heard it correctly. God doesn't do these things to us. He allows them to happen for a greater greater purpose. And I'll give you a perfect example. When I was seriously wounded in my heart where, where people just really, really ripped me to pieces, you know, I, I broke down and wailed, and the tears rolled down my face. And later on that, that day, I heard the still quiet voice of the Lord speak to my heart. And he said, David, your tears are precious to me, and my angels gather up each and every one of them and use them as a healing balm to those who have launched the arrows at you. And that's where Scripture tells us to unite our suffering with Christ, basically for the salvation of souls. When I realized that, I was like, whoa. So God didn't do these things to me. God allowed them to happen, which caused me to be pierced, which caused me to wail, which caused me to cry. And those tears were a gift to those who had launched the arrows, changed my whole perspective. That's that's sacrifice. Yep. That's suffering for the sake of other people, yeah. for their benefit. That understanding, David, of God allowing things reminds me, uh, Tom, the other day we were talking and talking about humility. You know, one of our favorite <laughs> topics here at the uh, <laughs> on the show. But Tom, you made you made that you know almost like a tongue in cheek uh, observation, which is you know we pray for humility. For example, we don't necessarily get humility. But God will give us opportunities to be humble, yeah. <laughs> be humiliated. There's, there's yeah. a, or be humiliated. That's good, Rob. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a, that's a big difference. But that having that discernment to realize, you know, if I whatever I'm praying for, you know, if, 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 if you're not, you might not get a, you know, oh, magic wham. Okay, it's, you're fixed now. No opportunities to pray for that. You pray for patience. Hmm. Lord knows, right? You're not going to be blessed with patience, <laughs> but you're going to have opportunities to 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 practice that patience. So I think in our in our spiritual life to, to be able to identify that and be aware of that as you pray for something, you know, our, the Lord knows far better than we do. You're going to have opportunities to put that into practice. So you've got to discern that and be ready for that and and then and then Again, as, as you both said, be thankful for that opportunity, and ideally, hopefully, we embrace it the proper way and, and learn the lesson that God has in store for us. 
And that humility of Christ, which just echoes in so many scriptures verses, is right here. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. Jesus gives it to the Father. Everything Jesus spoke were the words the Father told him to speak. All of Jesus' actions were to bring honor, glory, and praise to the Father. Jesus taught us, sons and daughters of the Father, adopted sons and daughters, to pray, our Father. Man, when you get that and you realize the divine intimacy that the Father wants to draw his precious sons and daughters into, give him all the credit. It's all done in, with, and through Jesus Christ. Give the credit to the Father. Give the credit to the Father. Acknowledge the Father in all things. Uh, a young lady that visited us this past week at one of our gospel reflections took us on a journey from crucifixion to the ascension, which is what we're what we're reflecting on. And, and she said it's really cool to see the progression of the apostles. Where crucifixion, there's fear; resurrection, there's a little doubt, along with some fear, and then ascension here, joy, joy and praise. All right, so that's uh, that's pretty cool that you would think that they may be all bummed out that our Lord's leaving, but now they they know, they understand that that our Lord has to go go home. He has to go back to heaven, and uh, and they need to press on, and they do that with joy and with praise. Isn't that the journey of each of us when we lose a loved one that's close to us? First there's a fear, how can I go on? Then we realize that, you know, there is hope, but there's a little bit of doubt maybe. But then when we are truly given that revelation by the Lord that he's bringing them home, then there is that joy. So again, Jesus models for us what those journeys are. And so for me, it's joy when the Lord chooses to bring one of his beloved sons and daughters home to be united with him. And then our hopes and prayers are, he's going to bring us home too. And then I only have a little bit of time left. I just want to share something that uh, that Michael, our brother here at Stewardship, who uh, engineers our show, you know, if we want to experience joy, he uh, reminded us beautifully about reaping and sowing. He said, uh, we will absolutely reap what we sow. We will reap more than we sow, and we will reap later than we sow. So if uh, joy and peace and hope is what we'd like. We have to, we have to live that and plant sowing, that, and yeah. yeah, start start sowing. And do not be afraid to plant the seeds of truth, because they may lay sat fallow for 10, 20, 30 years, but when the waters, the living waters of Christ, touch them, those seeds grow, and a bounty's produced. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization 
and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.